Welcome to the Tech Data World podcast, the independent voice in aerospace, defense, and space technical information, covering all the news, reviews, gossip, opinion, software, standards, and specifications in the information production and deployment field. So hello everyone and welcome to this special podcast from us here at uh, TDW and we have a special interview with uh, Kieran Dodd and Kieran Dodd if you've not heard of Kieran she's written lots of articles for us uh, in our uh, TDW magazine and she's also uh, presented at uh, last year's TDW live conference and she will actually be presenting again this year so Kieran welcome Thank you very much for having me. No, no problem at all. And thank you very much for, for agreeing to be our second interview on this, uh, this TDW podcast. Uh, yeah, apologies to everybody. We've decided not to put this one on uh, the actual uh, YouTube because we're actually sat in Nottingham in a hotel lobby at the moment. Uh, where we've just had a lovely dinner and uh, we are so apologize for any noise that might be going on in the background but that's where we're at we're actually um, in a lobby of a hotel so rather than have lots of eyes staring at us um, we thought we would just go straight away for the podcast so as i've said kieran is joining us this week and if you've not seen any of the articles or any of the presentations that kieran has done for us um, i'm going to ask kieran to just introduce yourself tell everyone what you do and uh, kind of how you got into doing what you do okay well um my background i guess i've always liked words um i was an avid reader and uh, it didn't do me any harm that my dad was a planning inspector and so quite uh, quite um, particular about how he used language which is probably the foundations of what I do today. Um, I did a law degree at Cambridge but didn't fancy being a lawyer so I went to China for two years where I taught English as a second language. Um, in quite challenging circumstances. It was China in 1994, so it was a lot less um, open than it is today. So for me, it was fascinating to see uh, the China pre-modernisation. Uh, and I had to teach listening skills in a schoolroom that very often didn't have any electricity, which presented quite a lot of challenges. Um, but was a good sort of baptism of fire to uh, teach me how to train. And then when I finished doing that, I came back to join Rolls-Royce in Derby. Uh, they, at the time, were doing a lot of work with the Civil Aviation Authority in China as part of building relations with the airlines. And so they were quite interested in my experiences of working in China and also learning to speak Mandarin while I was there. And so that's kind of how I got the job in training. And so part of my role at Rolls-Royce originally was um, working on projects to do with China. So I, I designed and delivered a manufacturing uh, course on uh, manufacturing engineering as it was for a joint venture in Xi'an and also I went out and worked in the um, training centre in Tianjin for six months. So I spent quite a lot of my early time at Rolls-Royce uh, working with Chinese um, customers 
And then from there, I was based in the corporate training department where part of my time was delivering interpersonal skills training, which included writing training, technical writing training, uh, report writing, and then as an internal consultant, which was a wonderful way to get to know the whole of uh, Rolls-Royce as an organisation, the customer-facing, manufacturing, customer support. Um, And part of that was I was asked by the technical publications organisation to uh, look at supporting the STE training, which at the time was being done by a technical author uh, who was finding it difficult to do the training and do the authoring. So they were looking for someone within the training department to take on STE. So I went to uh, Westlands in 2002 where I was trained. I had three days training on STE with the STE maintenance group representative from the UK. And after that, I took on the STE training within Rolls-Royce. And then after 9-11, when there was a bit of a reorganization in Uh, a lot of corporate and they outsourced things like training I became a contract trainer at Rolls-Royce and carried on doing their um, STE training but I also started branching out and working with other companies and and that's how I got into STE really it was it was a matter of um, needing someone to support it and because I love words and expressing things clearly it came my way, and I've been working with STE since 2002. So that, I've been that, doing it a long time. No, that's interesting because you you just said you just used some words there that uh, that I was going to have printed on on a T-shirt, which is "I love words," and um, I was I was going to have something printed on a T-shirt for that. But uh, I never knew you went to to Cambridge. You never yeah. have you? I don't. We've had dinner a couple of times now. You've never told me that. So um, so why not law? Did just law didn't do it for you in the end? or I did several placements. I worked for the Crown Prosecution Service. I worked for a big London firm. And I also worked for a provincial firm in Manchester. And what I didn't like so much is whilst the study of law at university was very varied and interesting when you got into practice you tended to be funneled into a specialism and I didn't like the repetitive detail of doing the same content. What I like is interacting with people which is why uh, going and teaching English as a second language was a revelation for me because uh, the interaction and the learning are two things that I really enjoy and as I say I've been doing it now for 20 odd years so um, that's really why I didn't want to to do law was I like the interacting with people in a training environment and the variety of of working with different organizations. Excellent so so obviously you know we're going to talk a little bit about STE right now and um, you know it's kind of one of those subjects like S1000D where I spend a lot of my time talking about S1000D and structured documents that polarizes people. Yes, it definitely uh, does. And um, so just for those of us that are out there, we're maybe not um, completely familiar. Um, 
maybe explain a little bit about what STE is and, and maybe how it conforms. I, I know over dinner we were talking about plain English and yes. how you're involved with the plain English campaign. Yep. And uh, maybe just spend five minutes talking about STE and what they are and, and, and how it compares to uh, the plain English. I know that you've... Uh, you gave me a long story on that over lunch, over dinner. But yes. uh, maybe for the listeners, you could give us something on that. An abbreviated version. Yeah, so, maybe. So I actually train, uh, when I'm not doing technical writing in STE, I also work for the Plain English campaign. And so I'm very familiar both with Plain English and STE. And they are both, at heart, they are both ways of making sure that what you write is as clear and as simple and as unambiguous as it can possibly be. Now they have a lot of principles in common, for example, uh, writing in short sentences, plain English will say an average of 15 to 20 words, uh, STE is more rigorous, it will say 20 words only for uh, procedural text and 25 for descriptive text. They both require you to use plain, simple terms rather than more um, old-fashioned in plain English, you might say, or long words. But in STE, it's a tighter um, control because it will specify exactly which words you can use in its dictionary. Uh, another similarity is uh, the preference for the active form of the verb rather than the passive. So A did B rather than B was done by A. The passive voice is something that's very commonly used in traditional uh, engineering technical writing, but it's a construction that can make your writing very vague. So that is why both plain English and STE prefer the active form rather than the passive. So the, there's a lot of overlap between plain English and STE, but the difference is that plain English is quite a loose set of guidance, and it's for all types of text, whereas STE came out of um, some work that was done in aerospace in 1986 or the early 80s, where the airline said, we need a way of writing maintenance manuals as was in a clear way for technicians who don't speak English as their first language. So after analysing a lot of uh, technical documentation, AECMA Simplified English, as it was originally called, was uh, developed and uh, although it's now called ASD STE 100, the bulk of the controlled language that is known as STE now is as it was in 1986. And it's different to plain English because it's much more prescriptive. It's a controlled language because it takes out a lot of the complexity that we can have in the English language. So, for example, we use we can use many words to say the same thing. We can lift something or we can raise something. So one of the principles of STE is to say, choose a particular word, lift or raise, and that's the word that you use. You don't use any others. Um, that's controversial. You said some people like it and some people don't. Some don't like STE because they don't like the restriction. They feel that it takes away the craft, if you like, from an author. They feel like it takes the skill away from authoring. Um, but others, particularly 
uh, non-native English speakers who have to author in English or where you've got mixed or global organizations more and more. You've got different cultures, different uh, languages, some native English speakers, some not. And STE can give a standard that people can look at, pick up and work to that's more prescriptive than plain English. But if you're not a native English speaker, it's quite hard to know whether what you've written is plain English or not, because what I found from working with people from lots of different nationalities is that, say, for example, Chinese, because I taught there, there are a lot of quirks that a Chinese person speaking English will have that come through from their native language, which I will be familiar with and can pick up on. And they can often work their way into the written English as well. Um, And that can be problematic for not only native English speakers to read, but also non-native English speakers to read. So again, if you've got some rules as STE provides, It's almost the way I say to people is, this tells you what you can do, everything else you don't need to worry about. So it's almost helping the author to focus on the quality of what they're writing by taking away the choice that they have. Whereas if you are faced with the whole of the English language to use, that can be quite daunting. And of course, we can all write in the sense that writing is something that You know, if you've been to school, you were taught to write. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's very personal to everybody. And again, if you want to give somebody feedback on their writing, it can become a topic that people can be defensive about. So another advantage of of asking people to write to a specification or standard, we can have that discussion later. We'll have that, yeah, I'm sure. Like STE is actually you are giving everybody the same rules to work to and that can depersonalize the writing style and also to give you something to refer back to so you could say to someone i think it could you could reword this to make it a little bit more clear because you've used a passive voice or you're not being consistent with your terminology for example or you're saying the same thing in three different ways and that could create some confusion sure. to your reader. I mean, I, I think I, I've, not, I've never mentioned this to you before um, and I've not asked, so I'm actually going to put you on the spot with this one. Mm-hmm. I, I've started using, this came into my head because you started talking about the passive versus the active yep. voice. I've, I've started using something called um, a plug-in into my Outlook called Grammarly. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and um, and it, it actually turns out that I was actually a very passive writer. Mm-hmm. I was never um, very active yep. in, when I, in my normal kind of email speak. Yep. And, um, and I found Grammarly was reminding me constantly, you are being passive. Yep. You're using the passive voice, which yep. can be misinterpreted. It can be... Yep. Um, and and you're right, it picks up as well that I might have been using lots of terminology over and over again, which yep. you can argue in technical publications we need to do. You're correct. And, um, but I found that 
I've now started writing in a more active way. Good. Because Grammarly has taught me to do this. Yep. And um, actually, and then when you read it back, it actually reads much better. Absolutely. It, it does read much better. Yep. And um, so I think that's a great example. We might talk about software in a bit. I know you have a specific view on software mm-hmm. um, when it comes to uh, supporting the, the process of writing to STE. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wonder what your, what your thoughts are on things like Grammarly and those kind of things. Do you, I don't know if you've got any experience in using those tools. Grammarly I haven't used personally um i do have all of the functionality in word switched on in word you can have show readability statistics and you can check quite a lot of detail in your grammar which i have switched on on mine just out of interest and also if i'm proofing somebody else's work and i think they're useful but ultimately you need to have the knowledge or be able to understand what you're being told by something like Grammarly or spell checking in Word because otherwise it's not going to do the writing for you. You still need to understand what the passive and the active are in order to be able to make those corrections. Sure. Um, And that's also the case with software for something like STE. There is a misconception you might say that you can get software that will write for you but it won't if you don't understand the principles of STE or writing clearly then a checker let's say for argument is not going to replace the skill of the writer whether you're writing to STE or plain English if you don't write clearly, a checker's not going to make that better for and, you. And I think when you talk to people like Barry at, at Etaplan, mm. he, he always makes that absolutely, absolutely clear. He said it won't make you a better writer. Nope. It, it will it will tell you where you're going wrong, but you yep. still need to understand um, STE. And I think that ties in nicely to my next point, is that I was asked to write um, some very basic uh, procedures for a client yep. in, in um, Switzerland. And they weren't particularly complex Mm -hmm. instructions. And I just went off and wrote instructions as I thought I should do in my probably passive voice. (laughs) And and they came back and said, this isn't STE. Can you rewrite it, please? (laughs) And I was going, well, it makes sense to me. You know, and um, I guess from my side, I think one of the things that, that people tend to uh, get confused about is that a we go off and buy a load of expensive software and yep. all over a sudden we're ste experts the, over over dinner we were talking about just buying a piece of software for s1000d doesn't make you nope. uh, s1000d able or nope. capable and you know there's a whole load of things you need to understand and need to be able to do yep so and i guess that's where you come in you mm. come in and you teach people these skills well before they even look at investing in software or oh, buying absolutely. software. yeah so i guess i you know coming back to the polarizing point mm-hmm. because uh, you know i've been involved on projects where ste has been Something where they've said, well, w- maybe we should use STE. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see the traditional technical authors going, nope, yep. we're, not, we're not going to use that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you've articulated it quite nicely that, you know, we've got to look beyond. We're not questioning our technical author's ability not to write. We, what we're doing is we're actually trying to make that information 
that's accessible to people who might not necessarily be able to interpret English as quickly as as a native speaking engineer may need to. And but also we need to make sure that 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 instruction is clear, concise and can't be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you say to the people who actually just go STE is is it's a it's a waste of time we shouldn't be doing it it's just it's just pointless it's funny you should say that because um actually i attended a conference last week where one of the speakers that was their opinion um but it was interesting that one of the um audience members who i had done some training for their organization on ste so i i knew that he was very supportive of ste and the statement that, that my customer made to me about this um, individual's uh, presentation, uh, myth-busting about STE, was he said, for me, STE is a state of mind. Right. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. But I know exactly where he's coming from because as part of my two-day training, one of the things that I like to do and most people do do is to ask delegates to bring their own documents. So we spend the last part of the course looking at the company's own documents. And that's great because it gets I get to see real live working tech docs. And one of the issues that I see more than the words that are put on the page is a lack of structure in the writing. And I think some of that is exactly that example that you just gave. You were asked to write some simple instructions. So immediately you've said, that's simple. Then you've written it in the way that you perhaps would want to see them. And very often the people I train, for example, a lot of tech authors, they have their information from a subject matter expert, usually an engineer, So they've written what they know for somebody else to translate into technical documentation. So that engineer has not written often with the end user in mind. They've written because they want to explain what the technical detail is that they know about. And regularly, technical authors will say to me, we don't necessarily know what that product is so we're reliant on the quality of what we get in order to write the technical documentation but very often we can't make sense of what's been written and so the issue very often is not about the words which is what people focus on with STE but the thing about STE which because it drives the shorter sentences and the active voices it drives structure into your writing it's very hard to write waffle in STE. It's very easy to write it in the passive voice. It's not in the active voice. It's not in the short sentences. And if you are writing to STE where you have to choose your words carefully and you've got restricted grammar, it drives structure. So even if you're writing modules in structured content, you could still put some waffle in. But if you're using STE, you've got to really focus on the quality of what you write. And so I think what my 
customer was talking about when he meant a state of mind, it was much more than just which words you can use. It's about focusing on the fact that you need to write clearly and structure clearly. So if you don't know what you're trying to say in your mind, you're not going to be able to write it clearly in STE because there's no room for ambiguity. And I think that's a good thing, whether you're a native speaker or a non-native English speaker. If you're writing often safety critical information, whether it's a procedure or whether it's descriptive, it should be clear for the reader to use and get their information. Otherwise, what's the point of the tech pubs? Because people want to have the right information at the right time and to complete the right task. Yeah, and, and you know, I, 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 we talked about something over, over dinner, which I can't disclose, unfortunately, in this, in this podcast, something that I've been doing for a client. And we've been talking about the role of a modern technical publication. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the problems a modern technical publication is trying to solve or, or trying to help solve is the fact that we have a, uh, a retiring skills base. Mm. So we need to make sure that that, that expertise is in a clear way Absolutely. in the technical manual for somebody who may not be as skilled as somebody who's been doing a task or working yep. on a platform for 20, 30 years. Absolutely. And um, I, I can see absolutely how clear, concise instruction through the use of something like STE can help. Yep. What, um, so one of, the, one of the questions that I, I like to ask is, and I, I think I asked Peter this on, the, um, on his podcast, mm -hmm. is that when I'm supporting clients adopt S1000D and they're moving away from something like a monolithic technical manual, you know, and I get lots of barriers thrown in my way mm -hmm. about, you know, well, we we don't need topic-based, we don't need modular-based, yep. we don't need this structured content that you're trying to ram down us. Yep. Um, what do you see as some of the key, you know, the, some of the barriers that are thrown in your way from people? I, mean, I, I shared with you an email that came in to me saying, can you stop flogging the STE mm -hmm. horse or yeah. whatever it is? Yep. Um, you know, and... I know that they were they were being churlish, mm -hmm. but but you know that's common to what you know I hear. Yeah, is that you know, and we talked about the polarizing uh, effect of things like S one thousand D and the polarizing effect of of STE. But mm -hmm. what do you think are some of the key barriers that are basically thrown at you that you have to try and talk about? One of the there are some practical ones. Um, such as time. Yeah, sure. Because you can you can teach the basics of STE in two days. You know, people who've never written STE at the beginning of the course, by the end of the two days, they are writing STE and they are writing good quality STE. Yeah. But it takes a long time when you are learning and people will say, well, you know, we can't spend half an hour constructing a few sentences in STE. So that's one of the one of the barriers. Another is um, our readers won't like it. I've 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 definitely heard that one before. And and I and, and what what frustrates me about this is that the people that say that have invariably never actually gone out and asked readers and um you know th that's one of the things that I hear about S1000D is that well our our, our users won't like yeah. this. Well 
have we actually asked them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, show me the, the results of your study that has mm-hmm. gone out and shown them the content and yep. said, can you navigate this content? Yep. And invariably, it's some guy somewhere saying, I don't think my user will like this, yes. but I haven't actually asked them. Yep. And um, so I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. That's absolutely for sure. I mean, some of the other barriers are the unknown um, or people have heard something about STE or they've had... Often people, if they've had any experience of STE, someone's thrown the specification at them and said, learn this. So people just focus on the dictionary of words and kind of pick through and try and change words and then get all in a muddle. Um, STE, you need to know the rules as well as the words and you need to use them in conjunction to get the benefits of STE. So those are the main barriers that I have. Uh, And I say another one is just back to the basics of most people have done some writing in their past and regularly someone will say to me, oh, this is like being back at school. And it is like being back at school. And for a lot of people, that wasn't a constructive experience. So just the prospect of studying English grammar is enough to put some people off STE, which I get that. But one of the things I try and do is to make it as fun. And you can make it fun, grammar. It's it's a challenge, I, but you I, can I was, do I was going to come on to this, this very shortly, is because over, over dinner we were talking about our training styles. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I, I the, the, the feedback I get about my S1000D training and my Tech Pubs training is that my training style mm-hmm. makes it a little bit more engaging for yep. the user to actually want to learn as opposed yeah. to just being told that they're going to go and sit on a course Absolutely. and they're going to have to try and absorb this dull information. Yep. So without, obviously, you know, y- you are spending a lot of time going out your training people how mm-hmm. to use STE and yep. how they can migrate their current content to STE. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe without giving too many crown jewels away, yep. because, um, you know, what kind of things can people expect on your training courses? It's very practical. It's uh, you're writing STE from as early on in the course as I can get. Um, you will crawl all over the very large specification in the two days. I make it interactive. I make it practical. Um, We'll perhaps come back to this later when we have the debate about standard versus specification, but I'm very much a pragmatic um, user of STE because every organization is different. There are common themes that come through when you're training people in STE such as terminology and having a central database of terms that you use for technical components for example but by and large my view is if if people can move towards doing as much of the STE spec as they can depending on where they are in their evolution of how they write or who they're writing for or if they use structured or don't use structured. My view is that these, like I said earlier, STE is a slightly more rigorous set of principles that any book you pick up on effective writing 
will have the same principles. They're just less strictly specified than they are in STE. So writing in the active, you've already found, makes a big difference. Absolutely. Using short sentences makes a big difference. That's nothing revolutionary. So for me, if people even do half of what's in STE such as those two things and and thinks a little bit more carefully about how they use um, terminology they will make a lot of savings and a lot of times I say to people when you're right particularly procedures most of the time you'll be removing something installing something replacing something but you can write those things in lots of different ways why not just standardize them standardize what you're writing in STE your cost, your user will be familiar with what the instruction is. So it might say use X tool to loosen Y nut or yeah, but be consistent all the way through. And that way you start to make your user's life easier because they are familiar with the pattern of what you're writing. And so they can find what they need. And then STE just adds to that consistency with driving terminology and words that you use so um yeah that that's that's what i think uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i think your i think one thing we have in common is not only are we both passionate about our respective subjects we um we both like to try and apply the training to the customer's environment absolutely yep so when i'm doing my training for example i always add time to sit and look at the what we've just learnt yep. and apply it to their technical Absolutely. publications. Because A, they're the experts in their technical publications yep. and, uh, and and B, it means that we can actually apply the, the, the principles of what we've just learnt and say, hey, look, l how do we create a DMRL from yep. this content? You know, how would we extract an SNS structure yep. from this content? Yep. And um, I like to then leave the customer with the knowledge but also applied to their environment. Absolutely, yep. Otherwise, they've just been given a whole bunch of information yep. that they've then got to decide and decipher how yep. it fits into their environment. Absolutely. So I know that you, you've touched on it a, a couple of times and you, you sent me a really interesting question uh, last week. So you, you went to a, um, a show here in the UK. Yep. Uh, you know, let's not be shy. It's the ISTC conference, which yep. is the Institute of Scientific and Technical Communicators yep. conference. They don't call it that, though, do they? They call it... Is it TCUK. It's TCUK. Yep. And you bumped into some fellow professionals and uh, and you had a, I think it was a philosophical debate, was it, on standards versus specifications? How did the question go? Yeah, well, the um, one of the presenters at... Uh, one of the presenters at uh, TCUK 19 was um, an opponent of STE and so, so presented... You, so you got pistols out at dawn? No, I did not. <laughs> I went to learn, as I've said to a number of people, I always like to um, understand what other people's views are, if only because it makes me better at training because I can understand what some of people's concerns are and then I can see if there's a way to mitigate those concerns. So I was really interested to see um, what the speaker had to say. Um and I, you know, I said, look, I do plain English. One of the things he's, his, his argument mainly was that STE is um, 
very niche and should really only be used for simple procedures within aerospace. And that was his that was his main point, uh, and that we should use plain English, which I don't have a problem with, as you know. And, and what what was his what was the rationale for aerospace? I guess the implication or the implied um, was safety. I guess. <laughs> It wasn't even that specifically. I think his view was it would come out of aerospace and that's where it should stay. Right, which okay. is something I would dispute because I've delivered STE successfully within the automotive industry, for example, within sure. the agricultural sector. I've done it in semiconductors. And where you have to give people either descriptions about components and their locations or you know some sort of set of procedures STE applies you're just changing the words in between whether it's a you know a tractor or an aircraft or a, an engine um so i don't know that it was necessarily anything other than it started in aerospace and it and that's say, where it belongs yeah. and that's where it stays i mean because from a safety point you know, aerospace obviously is safety critical, but so is nuclear. So, well, so is tractors. Yeah. So you know, if your tractor lands on you, you're in trouble. If you, you know, if you've not properly secured a uh, a huge implement on the back of your tractor, or if a tractor topples forward because you've not properly balanced it before you've raised the bucket on the front. I can't remember what the technical term is. I did know bucket. I think we can all live with bucket. Um, you know, so most industries where there are big, heavy equipment can be dangerous. Sure. So, anyway, the but but as we sort of discussed, because I said you know plain English and STE very similar, a lot in common. But he said, but STE is a standard which you should follow, and if you're not following it properly, then why have it? And there there was this repetition of standard and suddenly I thought oh, okay and I said well STE is a specification and I'd never thought much about standard and specification although I do notice that in your interview with Peter you you talk about standards and specifications sure as if there's a distinction so yeah. I went away and looked up on the internet is there a particular distinction but it looked very interchangeable to sure. me Sure. so it, it is the, this this question comes up. This philosophical mm. question comes up a great deal, mm. and there is a distinction. Um, and and how it was taught to me mm -hmm. is that a a standard is an internationally agreed, overarching guidelines mm -hmm. and principles, maybe in automotive production or yep. something along those lines, that that give us that standard interface. Yep. So you know when we talk about. Um, plugs for example mm -hmm. or uh, you know anything along those lines there's a standard way of doing things yep and you know and again most of these are iso standards i know there are others uh, but these have international agreement mm -hmm. and they say this is the good best practice way of doing things yep uh, but we also know that we have to accommodate um sp industry or organizational specific requirements yep and this is where specifications come in. Yep. So a specification still has that guidance, yep. but it, it, it affords us that flexibility mm. for us to actually adopt what it is we're trying to achieve for our organization. Yeah. So S1000D is a great example because S1000D itself 
actually refers out to lots of standards. Yeah. So, uh, and actually, if you look in the in the early parts of the specification, there's a whole raft of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you go out to all sorts of standards. But the specification, which is designed for us to help us create technical publications, yep. gives us the flexibility to be as flexible as we need to be yep. to do what we want it to be for our organization. Yep. Because it's talking about creating technical publications for ships, yeah. for satellites, yep. for, for um, tanks, for yep. whatever we want it to be. Yep. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. No. So, you know, we can, for something that flies at 30,000 feet, we might have lots of information that needs to be available to a pilot. Yep. It's not necessarily applicable to somebody who's driving, let's use your tractor going across a field. Yep. So that's how it was taught to me. Yeah. And if any of the listeners have a different view, please do get in touch. Let us know. But, you know, a standard was that overarching internationally Mm. agreed way of doing things. Yep. And the specification gives us the flexibility to apply to our own organization. Yeah. Is how I was taught. So, um, and I, I, and you know, these questions come up all the time. Mm. And I, I get a little bit, you know, when people say the S1000D standard, mm. you know, and it, well, it's, it's not a standard way of creating technical yes. publications. It's yes. a specification for creating technical mm. publications, and we could decide how we're going to use yes. it. Yes. So that's how I was taught it, mm-hmm. you know, and whether I was taught wrong, I don't know. But I'm sure somebody will get in touch and tell us. Good. I'm sure. Absolutely. So I know we are at 40 minutes. So this is a um, this has been a great chat. So what is it you do in terms of providing services to your customers? Is it mainly around training? Is it consulting or? It's primarily around training. I have done some uh, consultancy, but very often STE is, comes in two ways. Either it is a, a sort of standalone implementation. So a very often a sort of tech manager or a tech author has come across it thought that will be good for our organization very often within the tech authoring environment and they will seek me out and they will run the training for the tech authoring department and and that's where it stays um and i get sort of repeat as people turn over or change then um that's one way that I get it. Or it's as part of a bigger implementation like S1000D, for example. Um, and so, that, so I will provide the, um, the training side the imp- and, and then it's taken on with a bigger implementation of, of the S1000D. Um, I can do follow-up. I always offer um, a sort of a top tips document for people to take away and I always... Um, you know, leave people with my uh, details and occasionally I do get questions from um, people who've been on training and they'll say, oh, I'm really trying to write this. Can you do it a different way? And I'll happily send a response that way. Um, for for bigger implementations, we could look at consultancy, but typically it's the training that is the biggest pull for us yeah I, I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that from from my side as mm. well is the training now um and you know what my training sessions always turn into consultancy anyway yes. so uh, it's um i, I uh, always afford a little bit of time at the end where the customer might want to go into some 
specifics for their yep. organization, which is obviously consultancy. So, and TDW Live this year, I know that you've kindly agreed to come along again. Yes, and you're going looking to give, forward to You're going to give some more. I know that you um, you had a, a successful event last year and you you, um, you met some great people yes, at, I the, did. at the event. Yep. And um, this year we are going to go, I know that... Uh, about six, eight months ago, maybe a bit longer, a year ago, we did that webinar, yes. I think. Yes, uh, no, it was earlier this year, about was March. It, was it, uh, so you took a hurricane manual That's right. and you, you applied some STE principles yep. to it. I know that we've had a stack of people watch that yep. and, um, and sent us in lots of questions. So anybody who wants to come along to TDW Live this year, Kieran's going to be there for the, you're there the full three days? Yes. You're there yep. the full three days. You're presenting on day one and day two. Mm-hmm. But you're going to expand a little bit on that webinar. I think you're going to take yeah. some of the data that I've converted yes. from an old manual. Yep, that's right. You're going to uh, make that STE. Yes. And you're going to show the people the process and the principles that you went through. Yep. And I guess if anybody has any documents they want to bring along and let you have a look Absolutely. at. Absolutely. Do yes, that. With, with pleasure. Um, and how do people get in touch with you? I know that we've had a... Uh, a conversation about this because all of your business is pretty much word of mouth right now. Yes. You get recommended and then yep. you get the business. That's right. I know you're on LinkedIn. I am on LinkedIn. Yep. And um, we are currently um, looking at how we can get Kieran set up with a website so you'll be able to get um, in contact through that, I yep. guess. But right now, the best way is probably LinkedIn, is it? Your LinkedIn, or um, I'm happy for you to have my email address. Yeah, I can put that. In, that I'll on. put that in the show notes, yep. and then people can get in touch with you direct if yep. they, if they want to. Yep. So it's um, it's been a really interesting 45 minutes. It's it's actually whizzed right by. <laughs> so um, I know that you can talk about STE and, and this kind of stuff quite happily quite happily <laughs> for a very long time um, as as I can about general technical publications get very excited about that I know that we've got we we spent a great deal of time over dinner talking about how uh, emerging technologies are are going to affect the way that we produce and Absolutely. we deploy technical information maybe that's a subject for another podcast and um, again, if you are or want to get in touch with Kieran, you can either get in touch with me, look at the email in the show notes or go to uh, LinkedIn and search Kieran. Uh, she'll pop up as the the simplified technical English expert on LinkedIn. And um, it just leaves me to say, uh, Kieran, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been and fun. I've uh, I've enjoyed this one. I know that it's been a bit of a strange venue. We've been had we've had lots of funny looks of Have people <laughs> walking past. Uh, um, we've had lots of people staring and pointing fingers and that kind of stuff. But. If you have any questions about STE, do get in touch with us. And um, if you would like to um, have your content looked at, I'm sure that Kieran would be more than happy, happy to, to, do that. to do that for you. So that just leads me to say, I'm Michael Ingledew. I'm all about making you successful with your technical information, technical documentation strategies. I hope you enjoyed this one. And until the next time. Thank you for listening to the TDW podcast. Remember, you can keep your tech data skills current and relevant with a full TDIQ subscription. Visit www.techdataworld.com for more details. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for your next Tech Data World update. Until next time.